When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I came a long way since back in the day From a teenager trying to make it rap in this way Ever since I was a kid I had something to say Rocking mics was a dream I didn't care about pay I sacrificed late nights and going out with my friends Just to stay home alone with my pad and my pen Had my eyes on my prize, my mind on my goal As I carved these rhymes out with my heart and my soul I didn't have a CD, all I had was a tape On the dole through my flow was my only escape From a world where they didn't want to see me prevail Don't want to see me take it all, they'd rather see me fail It's like... I was down and out, struggling Wondered how I'm gonna make it through Welcome in to the Cattery Sports Corner, the last edition from me for this year. Gee, it's been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure and very grateful for everybody who has listened throughout the year to this little slice of SENZ where we just get to be patriotic cantabs, uh, or parochial cantabs, even better. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, hasn't it? And we've done some good stuff, and we've got some really good stuff for you on the show today. Although, interestingly enough, how do I feel about having to share Marty Burke with the Chiefs and with the Waikato? Not good. <laughs> but he is our category coach and he re-signed So Marty will join the show coming up in a wee bit um, He's a good bloke And after a couple of very, 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 very lean years for Canterbury Which Marty was involved with actually um, the, f- the fact that he's taken over as head coach is uh, fantastic And the results therefore after have been really, really good Despite we have not winning uh, an NPC in a couple of years Marty, the team is definitely trending in the right way under him So, Marty Burke, we'll chat to him a little bit later I caught up with Zoe Sadowski Senate this week Now, yes, she's from Wanaka, which is technically... Otago, well not technically, it just is um, But here's the thing, we love holidaying down there This is also a South Island broadcast for the most part We go across to the West Coast, we go up there to the North um, I think a lot of people have huge interest in Zoe Sadowski's in it Because she is a true winner She has won a, a World Cup gold uh, in the weekend she's, she's in again this weekend And just listening to her process and how resilient she has to be Is absolutely fascinating um, Yeah Really, really interesting. And, and Zoe, she will be, uh, I guess, probably one of our greatest, um, not just snow athletes or Olympians, probably greatest athletes of all time when she's said and done because she's only 22 and she's an Olympic gold medalist. She's a multiple World Cup gold medalist. She's a multi- multiple X Games gold medalist. And she's really just getting better. Zoe Sadowski, sit up. And Andy Thompson from the Rural Roundup, uh, our friend from the coast. I thought we'd do a little bit of the Rural Year in Review with Andy um, as we wind down. And we also look towards what's coming up over the summer. And there's this been this um, pretty gnarly story. Uh, Mycoplasma bovis, a second farm found to be infected in Canterbury. I want to find out from Andy how bad 
news this is on the Salwyn farm. Um, they're just learning more about it. What the Ministry of Primary Primary Industry primary industries has to do from here to contain it and um, yeah essentially how big of a story is this going to be moving into 2024 so we'll catch up with Andy as well lots and lots and lots and lots of good stuff coming up uh, on the Canterbury Sports Corner and let's start here how about this let's start with this Um, we're talking rugby with Marty Burke in a wee bit so I thought why not have a look at um, the Rugby Awards, which happened this week, and see what we saw, uh, see what sort of uh, Canterbury involvement we saw here, because they were only a couple of nights ago, and I thought it was interesting, because South Canterbury got the de- recognition they deserved. Um, Heartland player was Siu Kakala from South Canterbury, no real shock there, and um, I think you'll be very interested by this. The National Men's Team of the Year was South Canterbury. For their epic win streak, uh, yet another Meads Cup. So Nigel Walsh and his team, congratulations, guys. I mean, that is seriously amazing that they are winning national men's team, South Canterbury. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, The other, I guess, award of note, Super Rugby Pacific Player of the Year, Scott Barrett. Um, Our leader down here for Canterbury and Super Rugby Opiki Player. Lucy Jenkins for the Matatu. Absolutely fantastic that those um, those guys, Scott and Lucy, were recognised the way they were. Um, and again, yeah, congratulations, Seal as well, and the whole Meads Cup winning South Canterbury team. Um, Neil Barnes wins National Men's Coach of the Year. Nigel Walsh could feel a little bit stiff, I guess, if his team was the best. But at the same time, Barnsey, he's one of those blokes that everybody would be happy with, um, as it was the the Cal Tremaine Memorial Player of the Year, Adi Savia. So for our now outstanding uh, performance and service throughout the year, I don't think too many of us will worry about that. Adi Savia, absolute weapon on the field for the entirety of the 2023 rugby season, although it is cricket season, isn't it? And um, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into more cricket at Hagley Oval through the summer. Obviously had the White Ferns there yesterday. Fantastic. Uh, Hagley, we're going to be playing host to that Australian test as well, which you will see me there for pretty much every day. Uh, Marty Burke, Zoe sadowski it. Andy Thompson, a big show. I might even dig some audio from Matt Todd out before we are said and done. You're listening to the Canterbury Sports Corner, and we could not do it, and I really mean that. We could not do it with the sport of enterprise recruitment, Christchurch Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years um, and looking after our, our local sports as well. Trident Homes, designed for living, built for life. Proud supporters of community sports across Christchurch. Check out our modern home plans and show home locations at tridenthomes.nz. Absolute champions of sport around these traps. Big show. Marty Burke on the other side of this. We get it almost every night When that moon is big and bright It's a supernatural delight Everybody's dancing in the moonlight Everybody here is out of sight They don't Keep it tight 
Okay, joining us this morning here on the Canterbury Sports Corner, we had some wonderful news uh, this week that came through both for Canterbury and the Chiefs. Uh, a rare shout-out for the Chiefs on the Canterbury Sports Corner. I wouldn't get used to it, but we're going to have to share a bloke. We're going to have to share Marty Burke because uh, some fantastic news. That was the extension of our NPC head coach through to 2025. and. Um, along with his assistants, and also picking up an assistant job with uh, Clayton McMillan up there in Hamilton. So, honestly, for Marty, we're happy for him, and we're just happy to have you locked in for another wee while down here with the Red and Blacks, mate. So, congratulations. Big week for you. Yeah, it's been a big week. Um, it's been uh, a little bit of work to get over the line, but, um, yeah, we're thankful for both parties to allowing it to happen and me to do what I love for longer. Was there a... Was there a point through of this where you looked like you might have to make a decision or was it always on the table that you could do both? Uh, no, it's more a decision for me and the family whether things between two different things was going to be a, a, a test. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a Canterbury board and CEO who's very supportive and when I come into the role of the open and use the operation with the coach, I think that's one thing they do with the organisation is they promote their people to go on to bigger and better things would be a player or a member of staff. I think it would have been a, a, a absolute travesty if we had lost you from the Canterbury job now because what a couple of seasons in and although this year probably finished um, not the way you would have liked, I feel like the team's progressing and been trending over those two years, especially from where it was and, and you were involved in that group for a couple of lean years there as well, weren't you? Yeah, I was, and I think it's. Um, I think I'm, I'm lucky in some some capacity that there's, there's some really great people there, and uh, and the lean and difficult years, we were some sort of growing pains. Um, but I think a lot of those younger younger players have grown up a lot in those couple of years, and, and I'm getting a bit of the uh, the fruits of that uh, that hard work that went in. But I can't speak fully enough of the people that I'm I'm surrounded by. They make my work. Relatively easy and enjoyable every day. Well, let's just stick with the the Canterbury side of things for a, a bit, Marty, if we can. So that, that's really interesting way you put it. That through those lean years, there was some you know foundations that had to be built to to now be able to reap the rewards. What 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 has changed, or not necessarily changed, but what do you guys do differently now that you weren't doing a few years ago, which is just seeing better results? Well, I think there's something. That I've tried to sell the team over the last couple of years, and it's not to say that it was never there, but I'm a product of, of the community game, the club rugby, and your association to the, the community and the, and the links there, trying to create a, a village environment. So uh, sometimes we try and compete for the same space as Super Rugby, but we're not Super Rugby. I think we're closely affiliated to you know our communities, and, and there's some awesome communities in Christchurch and yeah, people and clubs. So I think taking it back to the grassroots and and us knowing who we do it for and why we're doing it. And if you'd be doing it for nothing, would you still be doing it? Um, and, and the boys have really bought into that, which I think is really powerful. Such a good point, isn't it? Like Super Rugby ultimately is a professional competition that it, it, you you play for your club, then you play for North Canterbury or, or Ellesmere or, or you know your, your Canterbury, your Metro sides, and then you go through to represent um, Canterbury at NPC level if you're so lucky and so many people have played and gone before these guys and had not had that opportunity. So uh, did, did the... Did it take long, or did the boys get that straight away once you started to drill that in? Uh, it took a little while. Um, I think that our first 
um, the first thing that fell was sort of getting out into the communities rather than just preaching it from the top. Yeah. Getting out to sort of North Canterbury and getting out to Ellesmere and sort of telling our story and, and telling them to hold us to account if we don't say what we're going to do, if we don't do what we say we're going to do. Um, the players internally, like, our players have really fond memories of where they went to school, where they played their first club rugby, why they fell in love with the game. So, mate, every week we just tapped into that and I think we seem to get some pretty good results out of it. So, the Rangura Showgrounds week was an absolute doozy and it turned out to be a very good game with a couple of very good uh, provincial sides. Is that something you want to do more? And I, you know, I've just yeah, spilled the beans on what's happening next year, but do, 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 do you love that, that, that kind of aspect and getting away from the big stadia? Yeah, I do. Oh, I thought it was outstanding. You know, there was a lot of people inside the organisation and we sort of had a bit of a brain fight around the potential to take a game out of the stadium. Um, like it or not, the game is changing and you know, everyone's fighting for that spectator to come and sometimes getting coming to Apollo projects on a Saturday night when it's cold is much people would much rather turn the TV on, but when you take a game out, you can do like we did around the order and, and sort of made our game not the centre of the day, the centre of the day was the, the Southbridge Shield, but we were just alongside to support it. Um, and they had markets and everything there. And I think for me that would gave me a, a really good feeling around I think that's the potential future of some NPC rugby taking the games out and linking with the communities and Make it a day for families. Yeah, it was epic, and and especially with that the again the rep, rep rugby tie back before as a, a precursor. I mean, it was just an amazing day, mate. You've got good continuity with your assistants and Alex Craig and and Matt, obviously. What about the players this far out? How can you and, and do you have a, a decent idea of what sort of continuity you have with your squad, or is that something that you work out closer to the NPC season starting? A bit of both, I think. And some of the, the environment we've set up in the last couple of years, um, it's a bit of a double-edged sword for us because everyone enjoys it so much. And I love playing for Canterbury, um, but it's a competition where you've got to evolve with the development competition and, and there's a lot of talent and threat. We can't continue to roll the same thing over and think we're going to get a better result than we did last year. So uh, there's a large portion of our squad that, that want to recommit and there's some potential players out there that we are looking at but we have a super rugby. I think we had eight or nine guys who were injured coming to the first part of our campaign. It's a, it's a really physical competition. Yeah. Um, but for us, it's around the strength of our group. You know, we sort of cast our eyes over 45 odd players. So when we have to name our contract to 30 something, um, we have the, the best type and kind of people for us. It's the same with our coaching group. We're lucky enough with the assistant coaches. You know, Toddy's doing super rugby. Alex is doing the Crusaders head coach for the 20s and Craig Dunley's doing New Zealand 20s so it's a pretty experienced coaching group we've got to come back and add value to the captain. Yeah, no, health was a major one, wasn't it? And I won't I won't ask you about how conflicting it'll be when Luke Jacobson's um, or, or Sam Asoni's absolutely lining one of your Canterbury boys up in the Super Rugby season. I don't, you don't you don't need to, to think about that. Marty, how close were you though? I mean, like... Take health out of it. How close were you to having a premiership or a championship side there this year with Canterbury? And and like because we we were spoilt for so long down here, you kind of <laughs> you kind of waited with that expectation, which I'm sure is something you lean into and you say that you should enjoy, right? Because that's that's the whole thing about pressure. It's a privilege, isn't it? Yeah, it is a privilege. I think. Um, yeah, I, I always believe we had the group. Last couple of years, we had the group to win it. Um, and I've learned some valuable lessons as a coach, so 
primarily when things don't go right or you don't get the end result, you sort of reflect and a bit of stone under the old towel around what you could and would have done differently. Um, but truth be told, we should have been better. Uh, just players on the field, it's, it's everyone involved in the in the group, which we could, should have been better and um, can't put it down to one or two things. The game's about moments and being on the right side of those is probably the place you want to be. But um, yeah, it makes it fun to try and right our wrongs. That's all I can probably say on that. <laughs> no, no, that's cool. It's, it's awesome to hear you motivated, mate. Sorry, I've lost you there. Oh, yeah, got you, mate. I was just asking, yeah. I was just saying on, on the Chiefs side of things, Marty, um, so w- what is your role going to specifically be with Clayton's group? And I assume there's a bit of a Bay of Plenty connection there. Yeah, so I went with Doc. He was, uh, gave me my first opportunity at, uh, at Super Rugby uh, with, the, with the Bay of Plenty. Um, quite a few guys I've coached are inside of the group. Uh, my role is primarily around some of the attack functions, uh, you know, face play and kick strat, um, which is one of the pinnacle competitions in the world. Uh, so being able to sink my teeth into that is something I'm really excited about. Awesome. And is it something you obviously want to do more and more of, um, personally, for your own coaching career, keep progressing, going through those different, uh, you know, taking those opportunities when they come up? Yeah, I do. I, I, I do. It's something I've always said I'm aspirational and I um, I want to be sort of challenging myself in an environment I'm in. Um, I think the next few years is a good opportunity to, uh, you know, look after the family and, and do something I love. Um, but yeah, I don't know about opportunities in the future. I want to try and be with my feet at the moment. Yeah, whatever happens, happens in the future. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. All right, Marty, I really appreciate it, mate. Congratulations again for a big week, and um, no doubt you'll have plenty on. You're busy for 365 days of the year now, which you'll be loving. Appreciate it. Uh, Cheers, mate. Appreciate it. Bye. Super stoked and very, very lucky now to be joined by one of our most talented uh, athletes. Well, for, <laughs> I want to say for not too long now, but the reality is she's been in our life for a long period of time, despite her tender age. Um, Zoe Sadowski-Sinnott, what can you say? Another World Cup gold in the big air. Um, this time having to show a bit of resilience that we'll talk to Zoe about in just a second. But I think this is what's quite incredible. Um, the podium streak now which has seen her finish on the podium in every event she's dropped into for the past three seasons it's consistency in a sport which is right there on the uh, the red line of what is possible Zoe sadowski Senate, good morning to you, thank you so much for taking some time to chat to us, you must be stoked with what went on up there in Canada Yeah, good morning um, yeah, I'm so happy, like it was my first conference 
season and after a big break of not competing, you never know how it's going to go. So yeah, I just spoke to Lan. I just, I don't know how you managed to find consistency, as you say, in the first comp of the season and you had to do it the hard way a little bit. I mean, what is it about this last three or four years, including the, obviously the Winter Olympics, a number of X Games, you just seem to be so content and able to repeat these performances event after event. Yeah, oh my gosh, it's such a hard question and I don't even know the answer myself. Um, I'm just so grateful to be doing what I'm doing and I try to carry that um, attitude into every comp that I do and um, regardless of the result, I'm just there to snowboard my best and um have a good time and represent New Zealand. So. Fair enough. Like, it is a tough question. I get that. And it's the answer is probably about a, a hundred different little things that you do in your preparation and your, yeah. your processes, right? I'm, I'm certain you won't be able to um, piece it together or point, pinpoint just one thing. Hey, t- talk to us about this event, though, because it, it looked like a, a really cool atmosphere in the dark there with the lights on. There seemed to be some good crowd buzz. What was it about? Yeah, for sure. Um, the event was called the Style Experience in Edmonton, and um, it was in a American football stadium um, that can seat like fifty thousand people. And we had uh, the scaffolding like peaking up above the stadium, and we drop in and then hit the jump land in the middle of the like field, pretty much. <laughs> and um, it was pretty crazy and. The finals night, there was a, it was a whole, um, like, there was a concert going on, a rail jam on the other side of the stadium, and a bunch of people came out, so it was a really cool vibe, and um, I'm sure everyone had a good time, so... I know you were right into the uh, the FIFA Women's World Cup that was here in New Zealand. I'm just trying to picture a massive ramp in Eden Park. Yeah, exactly. Just picture that <laughs> with a bunch of snow around it. <laughs> Crazy. It's mad. And you, so you qualified okay. And um, well, you actually didn't qualify okay. You qualified super. And then the the finals, the way it works. So explain this to us. So there's you've got three runs, right? And you need to put two scores together. And do you have to spin each weight in two of those scores till your best three scores? Is that how it works? Yeah. So yeah, three runs. Um, have to put down two. They have to be two different tricks, so you have to be spinning different directions, or um, you know, like switch to the right or to the right. Those count as two different directions. Um, but yeah, so I qualified in first, which meant that I dropped last in the order. And on my first round, I fell, which meant that I had to land my last two runs to be able to um, even get a score on the board and end up on the podium so I was pretty stressed um, after that first run but you know I've been in that position before and I just had to trust that that I um, had what it took to um, put it down and just stay focused. So this is the switch backside 1260 with the tail grab right and and this is the one you you went down on and then you went back up there and you stomped the second your second run which was the same trick yeah which is 
like the the mental fortitude. I mean, you said you were stressed. How do you and like what's your process to get the clarity and also the bravery to get up there and um, just go? I'm going to just go it again and and know that I can land it. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's crazy. I've only actually done that trick twice before. And so after falling on it again, which I've done before, I was just really fired up to be able to land it and put it down when it mattered. But, um, yeah, I can't, I can't even explain to you, like, the things that run through your mind after that first run when it doesn't go well and you just have to reel it in and stay focused. Okay, I got a couple of questions. I find this really interesting, Zoe. Like, do you have different scenarios and different tricks for different scenarios? Say, say you don't land that first run. Do you and your coach talk about what you're going to do in your second run, or do you always know you're just going to try again, get your big, big meaty score, which it absolutely was ninety seven point two five on there? Or was there any thought of maybe going to another trick? Um, no, not for me. I like had the plan in my head. I wanted to do the switchback 12 and then do a back 10 and then be able to, on my third run, if I'd gotten those two good, do a backside 1260. Yeah. And so, um, you know, like you always go into the comp kind of with an idea, like before you go into finals of exactly what your three trips are going to be, um, and leaving room to be able to build on that. Uh, but yeah, sometimes it doesn't always go as planned and you just have to like roll with the punches and stick to the plan. I, I mean, the look on your face when you stomped it, when you went back and you did it, the look on your face, like that's one of my favourite highlights for the whole of 2023, I reckon. It's like pure joy and ecstasy, <laughs> Pro- probably a, a little bit of like, oh my God, I can't believe I did it. Um, <laughs> is that is that relief? Is it like excitement? What is it when you land? Um, it's both, it's excitement, relief and stuff. And, um, you know, you just start to like land on your feet and be able to ride away. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's no, there's honestly no other feeling like it, like putting down a, a trip that you've worked so hard to be able to do and then landing it in competition. It's got to be one of the best feelings ever. I don't blame you for not being able to explain, you know, what's going through your head when you go back up there after after not sticking it. But what can you give us a bit of an insight into the work you do uh, when you're not on the mountain to have that mental clarity? Do you do you have a mental skills coach? Do you work on meditation? Is there anything that you've started doing or have been doing that has helped on, on that side like the mental skills side of what you do because the, the physical stuff's freakish we see that but we probably don't really realize how much you work on the um, internal side of your sport yeah for sure um yeah over the years I've um, worked with sports psychologists and um for me it just seems like I've kind of found what makes me tick and I've kind of stuck to that and you never know um, coming into the next season exactly how your like mental strength is going to be because yeah you really n- never know how it's going to go. You've got these new tricks that you want to learn and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, for me, I just like try to stay calm and I've done a lot of breathing work and mm. working on um, heart rate. I think that's the main thing for me that helps. Random you say that because I just watched a 60 Minutes interview with Novak Djokovic and talking about 
like um, nasal breathing and the way you can get clarity literally from only like three really deep clear breaths it, it, um, it's quite interesting eh? different techniques for different people but I'm sure a lot of it translates across different sport hey you yeah yeah it's it really does interest me you guys have got a pretty good camaraderie out there like Mia Brooks um Anna Gasser ended up back on the podium you all guys you, you share I mean it's one of the most amazing things about snow sport I reckon you guys share the stoke for each other is it is it changing at all? Like you're getting a little bit older. Is the dynamic on, on tour when it, you get up there for the North American winter, has it changed at all? Or is it all just the same? Everyone's just the same old and it's just happy, happy like most of the time. Um, um, yeah, it's a funny one. Like I'm 22 now. And so I've been doing this for like six or seven years. And so I've seen um, other athletes come and go and um, the yeah. veterans, everyone I, I have looked up to. Um, who are no longer there and now I'm in this position where like I've been there for a while and I have this experience but you don't really like to look at it like that and all the girls who come through um, have such awesome stories about how they started snowboarding, how they got into competing and um, they all work so hard so like at a competition when you're riding with everyone of course you want to do well yourself but um, you can never control. You can only control what you're doing. You can never control what anyone else is doing. So you you just so stoked to them when they um when they land their stuff, regardless of how how it goes for you. So I think that's what um makes it so awesome, the camaraderie that we have in women's snowboarding. Um, and yeah, it's real exciting going into the season, like meeting up with everyone again and. Um, see how hard everyone's been working off season. So yeah, it's amazing. You're like the you're the youngest veteran in any sport ever. You know, 22 and six, <laughs> six, six years on tour, and have seen people come and go. It is quite crazy. Um, it's, it's when you put it like that. So you've got the Grand Prix right at Copper Mountain. I, I assume you're you're probably in the states at the moment um, this weekend. So you just go straight into another event. Keeping obviously try to keep that momentum. So you just got the big air this weekend. Is that right, Zoe? Yeah, I actually had my first practice today, and we have qualifiers in two days. Um, but yeah, I hope to keep the momentum going. Um, it's a different jump. Uh, we're in America now, so um, yeah, I just hope for the best. And um, yeah, pretty keen to get back to New Zealand for Christmas afterwards as well. Oh, nice! Yeah, that's great. It's um, I'm in Christchurch and it's absolutely hosing down. So you're not missing anything at the second. Uh-huh. Would we expect? Uh-huh. <laughs> would we expect to see that switch backside twelve sixty tail grab again this weekend? Are you going to back it straight up? I really, really hope so. That's the plan. Oh. That'd be awesome. Okay. Well, we're hoping so too. We'll be watching if that if that happens. We know it's going well. Thanks so much for your time. You're always really good with your time, pal. Um, congratulations oh, again, good. and hopefully this weekend goes great. Thank you so much. Good to chat. Of the whole, but it's hard to control it.
Oh, joining us here on the Rural Roundup, kidding, this is the Canterbury Sports Corner, but we're going to do a collab with our friends at the Rural Roundup. I think of all the shows at SCNZ, there's a real synergy between the Rural Roundup and the Canterbury Sports Corner, because we're just good South Islanders at the end of the day. It's Andy Thompson. Andy, how are you as your December starts to wind down? Mate, I was hoping it was going to wind down, and then next week I've got to fly to Auckland and go and do some videos for a, for a client. So um, what I was going to have was a nice quiet week because all of a sudden got um, pretty busy. But I am going to make it to Canterbury on Thursday for our Christmas function. So uh, looking forward to that. Do we have a Christmas function on Thursday? Oh, I must have been cut out. Oh. That, you've probably taken oh, my sorry. spot. Oops, sorry. Uh, sorry, I, I forgot. There was a memo about that actually, not to mention it to you. Oh. So um, just forget I spoke, okay? Yeah, I'll try my hardest. It's all that can, will consume my thoughts now, Andy. Hey, um, mate, I, I saw news to, that, that's come through very recently, and it's not a laughing matter at all. Whenever you see news about this as someone that doesn't follow it super closely, you take it very seriously. Um, a second Salwin farm infected with the cattle disease microplasma bovis. Now, we all know our, our history, and you think back to some really dark times because of this and around this. It's a touchy subject. A second canary farm. Are you across the story, Andy? How serious is it? What do we know? I assume they're finding out more and more and more as we go on, but how does MPI get lit on this? Well, it's a really really good question. And is it serious? Yes, it is serious. But is it any more serious than than the other um, infections have been in the past? Actually not. So just a little bit of history. So um, about six months ago, there were no active properties um, with bovis in the country. And and they, they said, look, at the moment, it's eradicated, but we're not completely sure that we're not going to get some more infections. Bovis is an incredibly difficult infection to uh, to, to test for. You get what's called a lot of um, false negatives and false positives as well. So uh, they, they have to have a really solid testing regime. Uh, they then found a, um, a property in Selwyn, a dairy farm in Selwyn that was infected. And they said, okay, look, it's likely to be that there's going to be a few more. And it was close to the um, affected dairy farm that was very close uh, to a beef yard, some beef yards down there in Selwyn. And that, it, ran, it ran through there. And then they weren't sure how it actually got out of there to the dairy farm. And it's, it's what's really interesting is, um, Louis, is the vector. And so in the past, they've said that animals need to be in close proximity. They almost need to be touching each other sort of via saliva or fluids. Now, these farms are not being infected by that. And so there's a huge amount of work which is going on to try and figure out how the infection is occurring. And at the moment, the scientists don't fully understand it. The good piece of news, though, is that they know the strain of the infection, and the strain of the infection is not a new one. So it's the same infection that has been in New Zealand uh, since 2016, 2017, I think, what it is called ST21. So that's a fairly technical term. But uh, So there's some good and bad news about this. I think it's not being found anywhere else. It seems to be confined to the Selwyn district, Ashburton, Selwyn area. They're not finding it anywhere else in the country. So I guess we're talking about the last hotspot, but they do need to try and figure out how it's getting from the first dairy farm that got infected to the second dairy farm or the recent one that's been infected. Because in the past, it was um, affected cows were being fed milk, calves were going from farm to farm, all of that sort of stuff. That is not happening now. 
So they're still unsure. So there's a lot of work going on there. Uh, how do they trace it? I mean, is it just where, literally on location of where these animals were? Uh, yeah, so what they do is they test the milk. They actually bulk test the milk, and they can do blood samples as well. But they can, so they bulk test the milk, and they find um, evidence of embovis in the milk from the farm, and that's what they do at the moment. So they're testing milk all around the country from pretty much every farm gets tested regularly. And so far, everywhere else is negative. And then once they find traces of bovis in milk, because uh, it can spread, as I said, it spreads via fluids, right? And milk is obviously a fluid. So once they test it, they find it, then they hone in on that particular farm and then they test individual animals uh, to find out what strain it is, where it's from. But when they do find a farm that's infected and it's proven, then that farm is, to coin a phrase, depopulated. Um, well, I think you know what that means. And so, um, and then there's a compensation package for that, of course, and it's all worked out. But at the moment, they're down to two infected properties. There's still some uh, farms that are, that are suspected uh, and they they test them, um, areas of concern. But at the moment, there's just the two. So it's a very rigorous testing. But as I said, it's notoriously difficult to test for with false negatives and false positives. So do the, do the farmers um, or the property owners or the, the owner of the stock, I mean, so they get compensated. Do they get compensated um, 100% to be able to buy more stock? Yeah, yeah. The compensation package is, is very significant. Uh, so the farmers that are being, uh, that their, their, their stock is being depopulated, and this is very harrowing for the farmers yeah. as well. So it's not just about the money. Some farmers have spent generations building up their herds. Farmers know their, car, their cows individually. Like when I was farming, Louis, I, could, I, knew, I knew every one of my cows. I knew the ones that were pains in the ass. I knew the ones I liked. Um, and, and you get to know them. They've all got individual personalities. And and what's happened with some farms, or a lot of farmers, is they've actually bred from, you know, they know the mother, they know the grandmother, they yeah, know the great-grandmother, sure. the dams. And so so it's really harrowing for these farming families to have these herds carted away and culled, effectively depopulated. Um, so it's very, very traumatic. So there's that side of it as well, and there's been a huge amount of work done um, just to understand how harrowing that is for the farmers. Uh, but there's also compensation packages, so the stock are compensated. But you've got to understand a farm is a business, right? So there's a huge amount of compensation that goes into loss of income, loss of profits for those farms uh, to be um, to be compensated for that. So you've got to, and that's quite tricky because you actually have to look into the actual costs, what the payout is projected to be. Sometimes there's top-ups, uh, sometimes they overpay and then it's got, you know, it just, it just gets messy. It's very complicated. But getting it down to a, um, a fine art now, but in the when this first started back in 2016, 2017, there was um, some, some horrendous stories of, of the way that the authorities were dealing with farmers uh, and, and working through and some very, very sad and tragic stories and even some tragic outcomes. But uh, that is being worked through now. It's much better. We're dealing with much less, uh, much fewer farms or a lot more proactive way, but yeah, still was very traumatic for the farmers involved. I know several farmers who have had their their farms or their stock um, uh, culled, and and it's very tough. 
Yeah, no, I believe that, Andy, on an emotional level. I totally understand what you're saying, mate. Hey, um, it's been a big year. We've had a change in government, which uh, <laughs> it's fair to say the rural community would have uh, enjoyed, or the, the big, big population of them as well. We've seen some old characters back in. Um, you've had Paul Cole carry on his champion year over for your coasters. How did your, your Heartland teams went all right? Um, you've been over here. We you, won. Yeah, yeah. We won. Yeah, you did. You won the, the Lahore Trophy, didn't you? Yeah, we did. We absolutely did. West Coast, for the first time in their history, won the Lahore Trophy. What a great celebration that was. I think it's still going on, actually. If I've, uh, No, I think it might have finished last week. They celebrated long and loud and hard. Uh, West Coast, I think, were they the last team in the country to actually win a trophy, probably? I don't know, that sounds really bad. But um, it was a fantastic victory for, for West Coast to win that. Um, and Paul Cole, I mean, what an absolute superstar. Local Greymouth boy, um, current, well, he has been the number one in the world, uh, was playing here on the, you know, playing um, playing in New Zealand recently. Uh, just an absolute superstar. I know his family, uh, the Cole family are, uh, out of Greymouth here, uh, and and just a, just an amazing family and, and very... I mean, they all play squash, actually. He's just the best of the lot. So <laughs> squash runs in the blood. And and uh, as far as the uh, the rural calendar went in the 2023, did you have a highlight? Did you have something that, other than the change of government, Andy, did you have something that you loved this nah. year? You, 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 you're just trying to pigeonhole me now. You see, I'm actually getting in trouble. I'm already in trouble with some people um, because I'm starting to criticise. Well, not criticise, question some of the changes that are being made. That's my job, you see. I'm supposed to be um, supposed to be balanced and impartial. Um, look, I, I do think the election was, was a highlight for New Zealand Ag, but for me, um, what's been really interesting is I've really enjoyed um, some of the stories that I've covered this year, and, and um, a big one, obviously, has been um, the nice rate story Greenpeace. I got in trouble with Greenpeace, which um, that's never a bad thing. Uh, there's been a big st- story with LIC recently. The Hawaka Rekanawa fallout, all about the emissions. I mean, there's you can't really separate agriculture and politics and climate. It's it's all tied up together. And trying to understand all that is is big, and and get your head around it and present it in a coherent way. But the other thing I've really enjoyed, Louis, is I've had the opportunity to go to a bunch of events this year. I went to National Field Days in Mystery Creek, South Island. And Kirwi, been to some great conferences, but I think the highlight for me, the highlight was the Young Farmer of the Year final in Timaru. Emma Paul was the first woman to actually become to win the coveted Young Farmer of the Year award. To be at that, to actually get to that, um, watch that night unfold, to present my rural roundup show from there on the Friday, and watch all the um, amazing events that goes on at the Young Farmer of the Year final. To actually be there and see that, I think that was my highlight of the year.